friends, our scripture passage for today is a familiar one. Um, it comes from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. I don't know if I said those numbers right. Yes, no, I did. Sorry, my printing was a little off. Let's listen for the word of the Lord. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. In Galilee. If you will, friends, please join me as we pray. As we bring our whole selves to worship you, O God, we pray that you will still our spirits. As we live in a world with uncertainty, May you open our hearts to new understandings of what it means to live by faith. Please speak to us through your scripture. Help us to discern your voice. Help us to be people who, particularly now, face our calling as Christians who particularly now at the front end of the holiest of weeks, consider what it means to give, to love, to sacrifice, and to redeem. Lord, if we are in your truth, then keep us there. And if we are not, then put us there. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. During this season of staying safer at home, Andy and I watched a movie recently called Instant Family with Rose Byrne and Mark Wahlberg. It's billed as this comedy drama, a story about a couple who decide to become foster parents to three siblings, and it portrays all of the ups and downs of their journey as a new foster family. When we finished the movie, I turned it off, started to get up, But Andy sat there for a while, and then he started telling me a story about some family friends that he had while growing up who had fostered and adopted a son, a story I had never heard before in nearly 16 years of marriage. He finished what he was saying by saying, you know, it's so difficult, these issues of foster care and of adoption, 
because you can't throw enough money at it. You just have to throw eight years of love at it. Andy's really right. Abraham Maslow, he was a psychologist who, Maslow was a psychologist who created a theory of psychological health that's referred to as the hierarchy of needs, or in other words, as the things that humans need in order to survive, in order to thrive, in order to be self-actualized. Maslow says that we have first physiological needs, air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothes. And then we have security needs, safety, resources, health. We need to feel loved, friendships, intimacy, meaningful connections, and we need to be esteemed, be respected, recognized, feel a sense of strength and freedom. None of these needs are optional or less essential or only needed sometimes and not others. According to Maslow, we, if we want people to be the best that they can be, if we want people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps when things get hard, if we want people to exhibit grit and power through challenges, if we want people to be full and active participants in society, then each and every person needs to have this hierarchy of needs met. Now, the good news is that, of course, we can throw money at half of these things at food and shelter and clothing, employment, resources, health. Money helps physiological and security needs big time. In fact, money is essential for meeting these needs. But there is something even more important than money. And there is something even more important than kindness or compassion or mercy, even though those are important too. Before any of these needs are met, People first need to experience their dignity. A person just doesn't need food or resources or love or respect. A person needs to be treated as worthy of food and of resources and of love and respect. Dignity, experiencing our worth, is the thing that drives us as humans to thrive, even and particularly when life circumstances are against us. God totally gets this. It says so in the Bible, right there in the first chapter of the first book, humanity was made in the likeness of God. No exceptions are stated with that fact, which means that no human can dispute the worth or the value of another human being because we are all God-bearers. No matter the color of our skin or the quickness of our mind, no matter the ableness of our bodies or the number that's in our bank accounts. Dignity was gifted to humanity at the moment of creation, and it cannot be taken away, can't be given away, can't be stolen. Dignity is woven into every molecule of our being. Our dignity can't be taken from us. But I bet that each of us 
has known someone who has been treated without dignity. I bet each of us has met someone who, even if they have their hierarchy of needs in life, they're physically healthy, safe, emotionally embraced, esteemed, they might have everything they need, but still find themselves feeling worthless and defeated and alone. Over my time in ministry, I've met multiple foster kids who were put into homes where they had had their own beds, they had all the food that they could want, they were safe, they were genuinely loved by the family that they were with. But after years of being abused or mistreated or neglected, after years of being either shown or told that they were worthless, their spirits had been beaten down. It was a problem that couldn't be solved after just a few weeks or a few months in a new situation, in a good situation, in a healthy situation. No one could throw enough money to solve that problem within them. What they needed was years and years of love thrown at them instead. That's because when people's dignity is ignored year after year after year, when people are repeatedly treated as though they are not valuable, then people start to change. I think that we see a really good example of how beaten down people act in our scripture passage for today. This story in scripture about what we now call Palm Sunday, this story is about how everyday people got the word that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. And so they went into the streets and they laid out the ancient equivalent of a red carpet, which back then was tree branches and cloaks. This story doesn't make sense unless we see the crowds of people for what they were at the time. And what they were at the time was desperate. For years, the Jewish people have been treated as second-class citizens in Rome. Their traditions had been disregarded. Their rituals had been desecrated. They were being brutally oppressed socially, financially, individually. We know from ancient secular historians that Jews were considered to be a nuisance that had to be tolerated rather than as citizens who offered valuable contributions to Rome. For generations, the Romans, they didn't treat the Jews with dignity. And over time, it changed them. And they became more desperate. They became more rash. They were desperate for their dignity to be recognized. And they were desperate to not just be tolerated and put up with. Which is why those crowds were so excited when Jesus was coming. Because they had heard that he was the Messiah. And they had heard that he was the one who was going to force Rome to recognize their dignity as people. And not just as people, but as the people of God. They were ready for the war that would take down their oppressors and 
force the people who had mocked them to now see them in the light of power and of consequence and of unquestionable worth. And they knew that that was what Jesus was coming there to do because that's what messiahs do. Messiahs come to overthrow, to display such vengeance on their enemies that no one would question their worth ever again. Messiahs come to restore their own people to their true value, to establish a good and right order for them to live by. That's why Jerusalem was so afraid. And so when Jesus came, the hope of the Jewish people and the excitement that they had, it couldn't be contained. They pulled out all the stops. They sang and they danced to the old songs. They recalled the ancient promises of God, promises to grow them, to prosper them, to not harm them, to free them from the snares that entangled them. Because finally, someone was going to put an end to the way that they were being treated. Finally, someone was going to lead them into being a force that must be reckoned with. The problem is that dignity cannot be restored by force. Dignity can only be restored by relationship. It's what Jesus knew that none of the crowds knew. Knowing your worth comes from being known, not from being forced. Knowing your worth comes from being known, not from being feared. Every Palm Sunday, preachers marvel at the ability of the crowds to turn from adoring Jesus one day to ridiculing and jeering him not even a week later. In the words of our summer intern, Duke Anderson, he said, you know, it tells you about people really. But you know, when you think about it, it really does make sense. Because when you believe that your time has finally come and then it doesn't happen, you sort of lose your mind a little bit. Jesus knew that too. He knew they weren't in their right minds. That's why he said, forgive them, Lord, for they do not know what they do. Friends, Jesus did come to restore the dignity of humanity to the God-bearers. Jesus came to restore the relationship between God and humanity that we as humans would never question again whether we were known, whether we were understood, whether we were loved. Jesus came to restore the experience of our dignity through relationship, not through force. Jesus was and is and always will be God's way of throwing love at us. As we go into this week, the holiest of weeks, I'm going to ask that you join me 
and reflecting on the ways that you doubt your worth, that you doubt your value, we can have all of our needs met. But if we are not known, if we do not have an experience that says, yes, you are valuable and you are necessary and you make the world a better place, we will always feel isolated and alone. Then after we consider that, my friends, I'm going to invite us to consider those who feel that outside of our four walls. Because while we, many of us, are staying inside and are doing our best to care for others by creating some distance, there are others who have been living at a distance their entire lives. Who are those people? How do we reach those people when we can't touch them? How do we, as God-bearers, awaken their experience of dignity as God-bearers too? We have the privilege today, my friend Joy Flores is here, and she's agreed to share her story of faith with us which if you are visiting with us or if you just haven't been in worship with us for a while, we have been inviting congregants and people within the community to come and share their experiences of God in their lives, of the way that God has reached to them, provoked faith to them, maybe even despite themselves. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite Joy to come up and I invite you to join me for both. Let us pray. God, we ask that as we celebrate a day of parade, of celebration, of singing, that we recognize that the celebration comes from a source of desperation. We are not in first century Rome, but we understand the human experience of feeling like we're worthless. Remind us of our value given to us before we ever came into being. Value that reflects your face and your heart and your hands into the world. And then God, provoke us to be people who go looking to ignite that experience of dignity within every person that we meet, that we consider, that we see, that we touch, so that all might know that they are loved and valued and known. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.